0: not showing up here. You're live. Good evening, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your host this evening, Ed Lucy, and I'm my own guest, so we're going to take it from there and see if we can provide some information to the people that have an opportunity to listen this evening. And just as a reminder, we're over at 8 o'clock. The Red Sox will be on for well after that, so therefore you can watch my show, and you can also watch the Red Sox, they hopefully win the 10th game in a row but uh I'd like to start off with a couple of uh local items that might be of interest to some of you now and certainly going to make some difference to you in years to come the the uh The city of Marlin is in a process of removing of lead water services and for some of the houses, particularly in areas where the the homes are older and in some instances those pipes that lead into the watering processes within your home that have been in the in beneath the surface in the streets and the sidewalk. I've been here for deca- decades and decades. But the important thing is um, when you sell the property or when you uh, are doing a substantial amount of improvements, which is in excess of $30,000, the city of Malden has recently passed an, an ordinance which requires the homeowner to remove lead water services. And that uh, requirement has to be done, and you have to have it certified by the city for the transfer or sale of property, and it certainly would have to be done again if you were planning to do some major renovations. And uh, the thing is, this is something that you can tend to put aside and deal with it later. Well, we're not going to sell the house. There's nothing we're planning to do. But in a, as a practical matter, when you uh, take care of that ahead of time, that's one of the th- minor things that can beca- become a big surprise when you wait the near the closing date and you start getting all the necessary paperwork put together. So this has to do with the lead water services that may be in your home. For the most part, a lot of those have been taken care of over the years, but there are still homes in the city that still have lead service for the water, and therefore, if you have any question, you can call the engineering department, which is at 781-397-7040. And I'll repeat that. 781-397-7040. 781 397 7040 another th- item that I I mentioned this in my last show the city has a, a long-term pro- program of picking up uh, yard waste this is when people like yourselves are out raking the leaves trimming the trees uh updating or pruning pruning your your bushes and you find you have to put uh the remains that that are being disposed of out on the sidewalk in 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 bags. Oftentimes you get them from the Walgreens or places like that. But the key is um, this is the week that the pickup of yard waste is being done. So if you, if it's now Wednesday, three days of of pickup has been done, and if you're in the first three days and you haven't. Put it out, but you plan to put it out for next week, don't do it because it, it won't be picked up until the second week in August. And obviously, what happens is you leave those bags of, of um, yard remnants out there in the sidewalk, and either they get tipped over and they spill out, or more likely to happen, uh, they'll get rained upon if you leave them out there for a rather lengthy time, and, and the bags then split, break, and it ends up in in the sidewalk it, it ends up in the in the street, and it doesn't get picked up at all because the bags when they get wet sometimes they cave in at the bottom so again, this is the week in July that the pickup of yard waste is being scheduled by the city. If you haven't done it, but you plan to do it, the pickup again won't be till the second week in August, and it'll be the second week in September. so in some ways, the city's trying to make it easy for you to keep reminding them to remind you that it's the second week of the month at the pickup. And for those aren't familiar with the system, what generally happens is that as the um, trucks go on picking up your rubbish and your, your, uh, your recycle items, they, they make a note of the yard uh, streets that are looking for a pickup of those items, and if there's another truck that does a separate pickup. So, again, it's the second week of the month. Um, one other item, uh, for those of you who weren't aware of it, the... Um, MATV, in its own ways, uh, this past month celebrated its 100th anniversary. And actually, it was 30 months for MATV and 70 birthdays for Ron Cox, who's the executive director. And they had the celebration at uh, the Pearl Street uh, restaurant. And uh, there was an interesting mix of people there. You have a lot of people that are involved that make this MATV the success it is. Is volunteers, and that is people who uh, sometimes at very relatively young age or even young age, come in here to learn the dynamics and the and the processes of of doing the camera work. They do some of the filming. They do other things. Really, it's the setting that is necessary sometimes for the shows that are being done. So you get a, a broad gamut. You have those people who uh, are here on a, on a full time basis. There's career staff people, but beyond that. You have, for instance, now um, tonight, Henry Fitz is the um, uh, cameraman. Now, he's a volunteer. He's been here for uh, several months, and um, in the process of, of getting familiar with what's here, he might be using that perhaps in a, in a career move later on. Maybe it's just because um, he's interested in camera work. It's possible that uh, some of the volunteers that come in eventually go on to uh, going on to college and and take up a major in communication, filmmaking, the sorts of things that are are relative to what you do here. But um, And I've mentioned this before. If you have a a family member, even as young as middle school sometimes, they come in here and help out, or certainly high school age. uh, If if you're preparing for a career and... um, and you're not quite sure what you want to do, but it may be in communications or something to do with uh, camera work, or just picking up the knowledge that you can utilize for your own recreational reasons later on. Um, the uh, M.A. TV does tours. They have orientations. They give you an opportunity to get some exposure. If you find there's something that you, just, you think you might be interested in or if you have a family member that you think might be a prospect, they can come down to the studio. They can get introduced to the staff. They can participate in the orientation or the tours. And if they want to pursue it, they certainly have a, a chance to um, do a flexible schedule. Uh, obviously, the, the key here is a dependable person on a flexible schedule. But you can learn an awful lot at a local level. But that local level um, education can, can maybe be helpful to you in, in years to come depending what where your your life goes after you had the experience of working here. So give it a thought and again, uh, congratulations to MATV for 30 years and uh, hopefully there'll be a lot more years of coming. Um, the, the kind of services we get locally from my own observations, not only because I've had some experience in other cities, um, I think Malden does an outstanding job in the variety of types of shows that are presented here, whether it's the the, the obviously ones which are the city council or the school committee, and then you have those ones that that deal with public interest like this show here and others like it. But more important than that is there's a diversity here that exposes people that live here, not only to the usual shows that that, that we like to watch or do have reasons to watch, but also if you have an ethnic background that, that it's English is a second language, there's, there's other shows that are done in the course of the... Typical week that opens up opportunities for people from other other parts of the world to be exposed and listen to shows that they would be familiar with the language that they used when they first came to America. So again, MATV is on the way. One other item is that you know sometimes when you get to the summer, you, you have a hard time entertaining children because they have a lot of spare time, and, and in many instances you you've got job commitments even though you might have some vacation time. It may, it may not involve staying in, in Malden, but on Friday there are many, many uh, programs that are free for summer fun, and um, they had a list in. Um, and if you if you wanted to get the, the entire list, um, there's ten Fridays, ten venues, a hundred things to do. There's a hundred different options. Some are local, some obviously are not in the immediate area. But 100% of these are all free. There's a couple of options. One is you can visit Highland Street, one word, highlandstreet.org, or you can call 617-969-8900. And, you know, if you look over, Franklin Park is one, uh, Cape Cod Museum of Arts, Children's Museum of Greater Fall River, Davis Museum of Wellesley College, Winchester Historical Museum, Osterville Historical Museum, uh, Edward Kennedy Institute, the Charles River Watershed Association, the Telephone Museum. You know, it goes on and on. But, I mean, you look over that long and large extensive list, and some of them are available on, on local, uh, local transportation with the uh, public transportation. Obviously, some of the other ones that uh, you have to drive to. But some of them may fit in with a, a place where you go on vacation. And I know sometimes when people go on vacation... They wait for those rainy days if they have any in order to maybe fill up the, the the dance program, so to speak, in order for the children to get taken care of for that particular day because they, it's not a beach day, it's not a picnic day, and it may not be a, a bicycling day. But again, uh, 617-969-8900 or Street one word, dot org. And um, you might find out that that will give you some options you hadn't thought about. Um, but in, in, as an extension of that, the Malden Public Library has programs all summer for children. They also have movie night, for, whether it's for children or for adults. And uh, it's it, within walking distance for many of the people that live here. And if this, if you can... Not walk the distance. You can drive there, and uh, it's so local that you're never far away from going home after it's all over. So, remember the mall the public library. Check into what their schedule is. You'll find that there are there are lots of things going on that that are uh, 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 really helpful and, and beneficial to children. And and the key thing there is uh, sometimes children getting exposed to the library by a summer program. They may find you may find that when you end up. Um, when they return to school in the fall, they continue that connection to the library and take advantage of the of the, the many facets that are available, not only for reading purposes, for other types of uh, improvements or educational opportunities. So again, check with the modern Public Library. There's daytime programs, and that's sometimes the important thing with children, because um, as much as... It's good for them to relax and enjoy themselves out in the outdoors in the summertime. Sometimes it's also a good, good opportunity for them to remind them that uh, education is part of their growing process, and the modern public library offers a lot of opportunities. I know one of the things that frustrates people sometimes is uh, you get tickets because maybe you're a visitor, maybe you have visitors. Uh, it's possible that uh, you're not always f- familiar with the the rules of the road, so to speak, locally when they do the sweeping of the streets. And uh, not, uh, the, most streets don't have signs posted that tell you the schedule. And a lot of instances, people's rationale is that they don't even think. They either They pull up in front of a house, they may park overnight. They uh, may not remember they even had the car, That happened to me one day. I, I parked in front of the house with the intention of going out, didn't go out, forgot my car was in front of the house, and... Um, by the time I got up the next morning the, the um the sweepers were scheduled to go on my street. my car was there. I got a ticket and um I think if I recall it' twenty five dollars which um again is an unnecessary expense if you're ahead but the city puts out in advance of the um the sweepers uh, a reminder of the the weekly sweeping locations they also tell you about the daily ones and there's so if you're not familiar with what's, what's tr- where you live, when they're going to sweep, then the thing to do is find out because not only is it beneficial to you, but it's more important that you uh, maybe know the schedule. So if you have unexpected visitors, overnight visitors, uh, and people who drop by to uh, maybe uh, visit you during the day, uh, you want to be in a position where they're not parked in front of your house and it ends up while they're having t- lunch with you to, or doing some, some something that's helping you, that they get a ticket and then you can either try and say, well, maybe I get the city to waive it or just pay it. And obviously the whole thing there is that the, the city has a, a limited amount of flexibility because uh, when you start making exceptions, then you get a lot of people that are looking for the exception. So, again, if check in where you live. Look and see what your schedule, if you don't already know it, and make sure... When you have visitors, or they, you plan, you you know people are going to come to visit you. That they're aware that if they come on a certain day, that they that they either have to park on the opposite side of the, of your street, or they have to park in the yard to make sure that they they're not out there when the sweepers come and end up get and they get a ticket. You know, Rose uh, um, Gertrude Stein said one time, "A rose would spell would smell as sweet regardless of the name." That's kind of a paraphrase. But when you think about it, how do people pick out their names and why do they do that? Well, there's an article recently in the newspaper, and uh, New England pretty much follows the national trend in in terms of what names we pick for our children. And the two more popular names currently are Emma and Benjamin. And the family I know, uh, their son, he must be uh, either... um, Late elementary or early middle school, um, he picked the name Benjamin, and I thought at the time, gee, there's nobody in his family that I'm aware of has that name, and it, it wasn't that common a name at that time. I didn't think, and obviously, what has happened is for whatever reason, Emma and and I can understand, I could you see Emma more often, but Emma and and Benjamin are very popular. In fact, uh, it, here in New England, and um, the ten top names that are most popular currently for, for new babies are among the ten names that are u, u, used in here in New England, although the order isn't the same as the national. But uh, th- there are some exceptions um, here in Massachusetts. The top three that are not in. Um, among the 10 now, that are not in the top 10 nationally, Lucas, John, and Michael. And the one boy's name that was more popular here than nationwide is Thomas. In fact, nationally, it came in uh, 48th, but in Massachusetts, it was 13th. And again, that's probably indicative of the, uh, being named after someone in your family or to someone obviously was a relative. Another name is uh, Brady is uh, the 76th most popular name in Massachusetts, but nationally it didn't even break the first 100. So, And I could see where um, Brady might be a family name that you give to a child uh, um, in, in lieu of a, a usual conventional first name. Um but um, also as a further extension of that, Julian was the 16th in Massachusetts, but the 36th nationwide. Uh, William is the second most popular name here locally, but it was also third populist, most popular national, which which surprised me. I think in this day and age, people getting away from those. I didn't. I thought they were getting away from the conventional name. But the Social Security has been compiling babies' names since 1997, and the, the name records go back to before the before the, ninth, before the uh, to the 1880s. So that's they get a lot of statistics to look at. Sometimes TV gets um, involved. But people people pick names out of um, a TV series or perhaps even a movie. Um, one of the names is kind of starting to be popular is Wells W E L L S. I don't know why, and uh, but there was a contestant on the uh, Bachelorette, so maybe that's a popular show that reflected the the popularity of that name. And uh, another name, and I absolutely don't know why, uh, for a name Dream D R E A M, and. It's from Rob Kabashian's child, and I would have, since they're such a weird family, I would have thought if anything that would have detracted from people even considering a name like that. And certainly, I'm not so sure they're going to keep up with it as they get older. Uh, many new ba- new boys were also named Nova N O V A, which again, uh, and it, for whatever reason, they suggested maybe the Villanova Wildcats, but I doubt that. I don't know where that name would have come from. But one of one of the ones that kind of cropping up now more regularly, although not frequently, but regularly, Melania. So anyway, that maybe that she might be more popular than her husband. And um, one other thing that's just as a further uh, summation is that um, a lot of times when ethnic groups come to this country, they Americanize or Anglicize their names of their children in the next generation to identify with the, the new country that they're living in. And uh, one trend that apparently is rather common is uh, that a lot of people that are coming from uh, with a Hispanic background are um, retaining Hispanic-sounding names for their children. So that's uh, a little bit of a switch. But anyway, that's kind of a a quick review of the names. So if you're in the process of uh, having a baby or you're thinking about names down the road, One thing to remember and kind of keep in mind, when you pick a name, you have to realize that that name carries that person through their life. And it could be that if they didn't like the name, they can change it to uh, uh, utilize a middle name, or perhaps they can sometimes take a Chuck instead of a Charlie to differentiate themselves from their father or grandfather. But whatever name you pick, remember... That child has that name not only as a child and a baby walking school college if college is in there, and their life career after that okay. now they have made some changes, and this is something that kind of keep in mind um, equity loans um, it's been rather common since the program was initiated and just to give you some quick background when the law um, was formulated to allow you to deduct the interest that you paid on an equity loan that you had on your home, the intent purpose at that time was that you were going to take that money if you had an equity loan and do improvements on your home and that way you'd you'd enhance the quality of your life within that home, but also when then you left it, you could maybe get, recover at least a portion of that money uh, in the sales price of the home well. Over time, uh, it would evolve that when you wanted to go buy a car, um, that we would buy it from the dealer, go to the bank, or finance it to the dealer, have to go to the local bank or whatever, or as a lot of people started to do, is they just went to the equity loan, wrote a check, and paid a lower rate of interest, uh, and had the repayment set up through their uh, equity loan, and... They get a tax deduction for the interest if they if they file a long form. Well, in some instances, that may have been a practical thing, but offset by that, sometimes maybe they bought a bigger car or a more expensive car because they had the equity loan and they had the deduction and they had a convenient way to repay it. So that was one thing. Um, it wasn't unusual for people to use that money maybe for um, college education for their children, tuition costs being what they are today. And um, my own experience in the insurance business, I would have people um, years ago come in the office, and they would have to get a binder. This this is what this a binder is a form that confirms the fact that you have insurance on the home when you go to the bank uh, to borrow money, and what it would be uh, borrowing on, they'd be having a, an equity loan. Borrow the money on the equity loan and pay off their credit cards because obviously the interest rates for those credit cards were two and sometimes three or four times more than it would be to pay the interest on the equity loan. And again, key, you ended up getting the tax deduction on the equity loan. But the thing I also saw from time to time would be the same people that came in this year would be back a year later this maybe when the interest rates went down, so there was another inducement, but they would also be paying off credit cards all over again. In other words, it was just an easy way to buy what you couldn't afford because you were tr- treating it as an installment payment spread over a longer period of time, and one disadvantage is many of those equity loans are variable rates, so if it was a lower rate when you started, that rate may not continue, and sometimes comp- banks or whomever would start you off with a lower rate as a customer, and then a year or two years later, they would you would jump the rate would jump anyway. Never mind the it went across the board up. It would go up anyway because it was what they basically call the teaser rate. Well, I'm giving you all that background because there's been some changes, and this may be a reason why you want to think twice about the way you approach uh, equity loans. First of all, currently now. Starting in 2018, deductibility of the interest has to qualified by your using the money from the equity loan to do home improvements. That's a big change from what it was the way or the way it was before. And not that it was going to be much of an issue for most people, but. It also means that uh, the two mortgages, the equity loan and the mortgage on your home, c- doesn't exceed $750,000. Although was, uh, looking around Malden, um <laughs> with the prices of a house, houses now, um, it is not unusual to see single families or two families. and not not that uh, elaborate in the seven to $800,000 range. So maybe we're getting close to Malden being a city where, uh, where it could have cost you a million dollars to buy a home, but anyway, the seven fifty is is a is a criteria and uh so where you paid off credit cards before or you did some other things they're not uh, they don't qualify you now and uh another issue you have to remind yourself: your home isn't a piggy bank and that, and that's what happens sometimes with equity loans you got the money sitting there it's not your money. You have a, a comfortable income, so you can afford what you're buying. But you want even more, and then whether it's a second car, whether it's a, a, set, a summer home, and that, uh, or um, some of these uh, extensive vacations you might plan to take, all of those things are beyond the reach of, a, of the purpose of an equity loan. Well, before you could just write the check, do what you wanted to do, pay it back, deduct the interest can't do that now. But at the same time, you have to remind yourself that at some point you're going to either sell the home because you're going to downsize or the family's going to sell it. And what you owe is not going to be just the first mortgage, but it's going to be the equity loan. And obviously, uh, recent studies have suggested for many people, they rely on uh, inadequate uh, retirement plans the more more dependent on, social security, and the other fallback is the equity in their home. But again, if you're a person who's made a habit of dipping into it over the years to buy things that you thought you needed or the you, things you wanted, and um, it ends up when you do reach out to finally settle up with the banks and the and the um, whether it's the same bank or two different lending institutions, you're in a situation where you've shrunk a lot of the money that you might have been able to utilize after you retire to supplement what you have from retirement you've saved, which in a lot of cases people haven't done. And uh, they've also re- de- redesigned retirement plans for a lot of companies. So you, the amount that you're eventually going to get is going to be less than you would have used to expect. And, and part of that is that people ch- change jobs much more frequently. You don't, you don't, Take a job when you're 24 and you live, and you work there for 60, uh, 40 years or whatever. You end up maybe moving and changing jobs several times, and it's more frequent today with younger people, particularly where it's a, it's a great job market, and there are a lot of jobs out there that, that they can't fill. And so the competition is driving up the, the cost of hiring people in, and people are moving around when they feel they're at dead end with their job. That Even if the benefits are good, they move on to something else. So, again... Uh, there's a there's a thought there that if you keep dipping into that equity, the, the amount of money that may be available at some future date when you want to um, move on to beyond to what you where you currently live, and you're not going to have the amount that you thought you would have. So those are a couple of items, and um, the other uh, uh, shop around. There's another thing. The um, there's a lot of uh, people are encourage you to take out equity loans, but um, you got to have to you have to read the fine print, and you also uh, have to ensure that uh, you get some flexibility, depending whether you're going in and going out, because there are some there are some costs going in, there are some costs going out, and the interest rates on the surface, uh, if it's only a one year or two year, um, and sometimes not even two years, and sometimes maybe even not a year, it's just a, it's not what it is it appears to be. You want to make sure that what you get, if you're thinking that well it's going to take me ten years to pay off what I'm going to borrow. Don't be influenced by the fact you get a lower rate the first year and you're going to find out that the second-year rate is more than you're paying if you had gone someplace else in the first place. And um, one other added comment, sometimes in terms of even if you qualify because you're going to do some home improvements, um, make sure that what you're spending money, think about it, because if you have the priciest – home in the neighborhood, and you've added on to that to, to enhance your own convenience and comfort, you may find out that money won't come back to you when you sell the home because you're already at the high end to begin with. The ones that make out better are the ones that are in the uh, neighborhood where they, they have the l- less expensive home because they get the benefit of the neighborhood and the, uh, the people that live in that neighborhood. So you have to temper that some, to some degree about some of those improvements you may consider. Is it going to come back to me in the sales price of the home, or sometimes it's not just is it going to come back to me? Will I recover some of the money that I'm that I'm going to pay? Because the new buyer might come in and like the location and like your home, but not impressed with the improvements that you made at the time you did, because that's not what they're interested in. They're more interested in location of the school, public transportation, um, size of the rooms, all those other kind of factors than motivate people to make decisions on where they're going to live. So, uh, again, think about that a little bit before you jump. But remember, equity loans now are are being treated differently than they used to, and you have to be careful that when you decide what to do with that money and you think, well, I'm not going to go to the dealer and have him arrange for the financing or I'm not going to bother making an application out with the bank and apply to the bank for the loan. I'm going to just write a check out of my equity loan and I'll get the benefit of the interest you won't any longer. So anyway. One other thing is as an extension of what I just wrote um credit sc- scores pay a big uh, part of what you eventually going to pay when you buy something on credit. Uh the uh, we're constantly inundated in the mail with offers of credit cards. We uh, uh and I'm I'm assuming that like most people I get robocalls weekly from banks, some of whom I may already have a credit card with, and they start off prefacing their comments, this is not a a call reflecting on your credit card, this is an offer that is to reduce the interest on your existing credit card." So all of that business is kind of, uh, uh, is a great big competition among big banks, community banks, credit unions, and credit cards. and um, But some of that is impacted by your credit rating, meaning that depending on your score, and most of this is done electronically. You know, years ago, uh, when I was thinking of when I after read the article, the first house I bought was from a bank that was on, uh, it was the Marlin Cooperative Bank that was on Exchange Street, And now, again, you have to temper that by um, remembering in those days, and that's quite some time back, the prices of houses were nowhere near what they are today. However, I was a little bit of a a neophyte at that point, and I walked into the bank only because the current owner of the house I was buying was dealing with that, that particular lending institution. I walked in introduced myself and said I was interested in getting a mortgage. When I mentioned the location of the property and the owner, not only did the mortgage, was the, the mortgage was in that bank, but the, the vice president who had a desk right out on the floor knew the people personally. So we went from there and uh, he he took some notes, asked me you know about my background and my business and my income and those kinds of things, which obviously are the f- kinds of things you determine the ability of the person to repay. And in a great, great extent, other than a f- simplified application, there wasn't much else that went on with it. I um, I agreed to buy the house. The people were moving out of state. Um, I shook hands. We made a deposit. I never went near the house again f- till we passed. As a matter of fact, what happened was, and this is how naive I was. We were supposed to pass, let's say, the twenty-sixth of August, and they called me up and said, "Gee, we can't move until after." The first of September, because uh, because of the end of the month and the holiday, people are uh, um, moving. Uh, the, the, the trucks aren't available. So uh, I said, okay. So without even thinking, by my, i had given my notice for August first to move out by the end of the month. I then paid another month's rent where I was because they, I couldn't move, and I never thought to say to the people, hey, by the way, give I'll, I'll, I'll extend the the date, but give me the money that I might have to pay the extra rent. I just. Said so, well, okay, we'll, we'll move after the first of September. But anyway, not that way anymore. And here's, and for the most part, it would be almost impossible to get a perfect score on your credit report. And that, um, that uh, is a, the the minimum, is, uh, I guess, regardless how bad you are, is three hundred. The max is uh, maximum score you have is eight fifty. But if you're within 70 or 80 points of that, you're in all likelihood able to get the best that's available depending on where you shop around and depending, of course, what kind of a credit application you want, whether it's a personal loan, whether it's a credit card, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's a car payment. But um, the thing is to keep in mind, when they put together your credit uh, rating, uh the 16 accounts that they look at, which include installment loans, that that means mortgages, auto loans, and so forth. Revolving accounts, which are credit cards. A mix of credit shows you can handle various types of debt, and this counts for 10% of your score. So that's part of how you get to the, the 850 is a perfect score. Length of credit. My oldest account has been opened for nearly 25 years. A long credit history accounts for 15% of your score. So for people who routinely over the years uh, either utilize credit cards or um, loans of various types, whether car loans, mortgages, that sort of thing, they have a track record that can be looked at. Recent inquiries. When you want to borrow, a lender will will pull your credit report and then call a hard inquiry in the last 12 months. But if you haven't applied for any new credit, not actively seeking to use other people's money, demonstrates a lower credit risk. New credit determines ten percent. So now you get fifteen percent there, twenty percent when you're when you're not churning, as it is, broadening your 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 availability to increase your line of credit with different credit cards. Revolving utilization. The amount of debt you owe determines 30% of your score. If you pay your credit cards off every month, and, and that's during the, the billing cycle, so that you're going to get that 30% benefit. But you can still get a good credit rating even if you have outstanding balances, but it won't be in the same level as if you pay them off. They don't want you to pay them off because obviously that's where you pay the 9 and the 12 and the sometimes... Th- as much as 29 percent. If if you if you're late or if you have certain credit cards that um, you you you, ha- you don't have a strong credit history, so you get a credit card and you're okay with the count as long as you pay it on time. But if you if you run a balance, some of them run up to almost 30 percent a year interest. Miss pay periods, miss payments. Well, that's one that's always a problem. This is the big dog. Your payment history counts for 35 percent of your score. Uh, this man was citing his own situation. He said, my report showed zero late payments on any account for the past year and none over the last seven years. And that's a that's a big plus. On average, consumers with a score of 850 have over 25 years of spotless credit. And uh, that's hard to come by for for a number of different reasons. I'll mention one in my own experience. This means you don't have a, tip, a single delinquency file and uh, you you have a well-established credit history and sell them open, new accounts, and sometimes not having a perfect score it, as a practical matter it won't matter that much if you're in the 800 range. If you're in the 780, you're still in pretty good shape. But uh, uh, I'll cite a couple of things that I did that I shouldn't have done according to this. Number one, uh, without going into a lot of detail, I had a family member that... Um, needed some help on a on a uh, uh, on a credit situation and I co-signed and um, although you're a co-maker uh, a co-signer uh, things could go along smooth and there's no problem uh, as long as the payment is made on time but when it's not made on time then the issue is um, they're going to say to you we want you to send us a check because you're the You're on that payment, and you're thinking, well, I only did it to convenience my so-and-so. Well, that doesn't count. You're legally obligated to pay if the other person doesn't pay, and if they don't pay on time, it affects your credit. That's number one. The second one which I've done, uh, which they don't encourage, recently there's been a splurge on credit card companies seeking new business, and they have lots of money to lend, and they want to get people to to open up credit Uh, accounts with cards and therefore they can have them carry a balance but even if they don't carry a balance they still want you to open up a a credit card and I I got some things through the mail recently and two different accounts uh, credit cards um, one of them if you you charge within 90 days $500 uh, they would give you $150 but they give it to you in points but the points equivalent to cash in one form or another a second card um, send me a letter, and um, said if you if you run up uh, five hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars over th- three months, five hundred dollars a month, we'll give you two hundred dollars. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, I don't need the credit cards, but I got other ones. But um, you know, that's an easy hundred fifty. It's another, I thought, an easy two hundred. So, I opened up those credit c- cards. I'm inclined to think. That with uh, co-making of that uh, loan to a family member and opening up two uh, credit cards, as I have done, where when I had looked at my score some time ago, and this goes back away it was over 800, I'm not so sure it would still be 800 because I still pay my bills and nothing else has changed, but maybe that activity... Doesn't fit the model that they want that they look for to find perfection. So instead of getting 35 percent credit, maybe you only get 25 percent, and then then when you add up the rest of it, instead of having an 850 at 100 percent, if you have 90 percent, then your credit score is going to be maybe 780. So anyway, just as a, a reminder, pay on time, and if you don't pay on time. Sometimes you can get that blemish removed, particularly if it's a one-time uh, error. It could be a, an oversight. It could be a change of banks for your uh, deductions. It could be a, a vacation, a lot of things. It could happen more likely with a new account where you, you're not in the habit of, of either having it taken out of your uh, account or you, or you go online to pay it or you mail it in. So sometimes companies, will uh, when you call them and explain, they'll, they'll tell you, well, we'll do it this time, but they won't do it if you, if you do it two months later. Uh, there's the a huge percentage of population particularly if you get to be sixty five who are are diagnosed with type two diabetes now uh, there's lots of reasons for that sometimes it's family history sometimes it's um obesity uh, other instances lifestyle there are all there's variables there, and there are ways you can help yourself and this is even if you've been diagnosed where either you've been diagnosed with type 2, but not, they're monitoring you, or you've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and you're put on a pill to to minimize the impact of that. But um, one of the first things that's suggested, there are six ways that you can help yourself. And by the way, there are almost 26 million Americans, which is a, almost 10% of the population, have diabetes. And your 25% chances of acquiring diabetes is going to occur if your spouse has diabetes. And 45% develops because you lead a stressful life. So those are three kinds of things. Number one, family history. Number two, your spouse. And number three, uh, stress. But there are six things you can do to help yourself. Top of the list, give up soda. Drinking just one or two s- soda sweeteners, this is non-diet beverages a day, increase your risk of diabetes by about 25%. That's a study done by the, the new, new, Harvard Health of Public, uh, new Harvard School of Public Health. And sodas, for some people, can be hard to be given up because um, corn syrup and caffeine can be additive. So anyway, soda's important. Not, particularly if it's not diet. Move after meals. Taking a 15-minute stroll and a, a half an hour after you eat lowers the post-meal blood sugar levels for at least three hours. So anyway, a little activity after you have to eat helps. Garlic and onions. Two components that give garlic and onions their strong flavor appears to starve off cancer by neutralizing Carthagenic substances and speeding up the repairs of damaged DNA. You know, the, the, um, I know some people um, culturally think that with, with garlic, you keep away the evil spirits, but I think the reason it helps you is because garlic has a strong odor, so people don't get near you, so you don't get their germs, and that's how it, that's how it helps. But anyway, there it is for you, garlic and onions. Uh, also, dark leafy greens. Leafy greens, in, including kale, spinach, and romaine, abound, abound in antitoxins and um, have proven to be inhibitors in terms of uh, cells issues and also helpful to you in terms of, di- of, uh, of diabetes. Uh, milk. Uh, the calcium in dairy products may neutralize potential carthaginians, particularly those found in, in processed meats. So anyway, milk is good. Garlic and onions are good. Leafy dark greens are good. Red grapes are good. And and red wine, <laughs> not too much. Uh, and finally, whole grains. So that, that's not unusual. For years, we've been urged to eat to three to five servings of whole grain a day, and there's a good reason for that. They are linked to a lower risk of, of cancer. In, in a study that was done in, in uh, Holland, uh, excuse me, in Denmark, for 100, over 100,000 people, those that have the whole grains, uh, whole grains, Uh, offer protection against other chronic conditions, including heart disease and type 2 diabetes. So there it is. Soda, give it up, unless it's diet soda. Move after the meals. Garlic and onions, leafy greens, milk, uh, broccoli. I'm sorry, I skipped that one. Red red grapes and whole grains. So anyway, so that's that's that. And... uh, I'm going to save this one here for a little later on, but I had a couple I wanted to talk about, Get maybe get a little bit more political. Um, um, we recently have, saw, have seen a splurge of uh, headlines relative to the situation involving the state police, but it, but it has been like a, a drip, drip, drip. It's been not just one isolated issue. It has been a number of... Large, serious problems with the state police and the and the behavior of the people that are uh, stateies, which, for the whatever numbers then, uh, are under the uh, observation, investigation, or court processes at the moment, um, reflect negatively on the vast majority of state troopers and who do the job that they're sworn to up, uh, to do and uphold the law, but. The reason I I want to bring that up, not so much, that's bad enough as it is, but there was another article in the paper um, about a woman who works for or uh, uh, employed by the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. And uh, her title was Chief of Staff. And after a search she, with um, an interview and a, and a qualification requirement, she was hired. Now. Sometimes, when you have those situations particularly in the in the governmental process there's a story behind the story and um it would appear on the surface that she has got the position because she earned it based on all the things that were required the intake interview the resume the uh face to face interview the investigation all those kinds of things that that are evaluated to to, to make a decision on on hiring someone for a a nation- after a nationwide search. But this particular position is in the medical examiner's office, and th- they have come under a lot of criticism in recent times because of the backlog of job uh, position. excuse me, b- the backlog of autopsies. And, and when you think about it, when there's uh, instances of, or incidents that appear to be violent where they're not sh- sure how the person died, then... You have uh, medical examiners come in, um, do autopsies, make determinations based on uh, forensic information. But you also have instances where families have a member who is found, uh, passed on, who may have died under unusual or mysterious circumstances or may have been Murdered or died in some accident, but the, the exact cause hasn't been determined without an autopsy. When that happens, the families go through a huge amount of trauma. Think about the emotional. You have a, someone near and dear to you who has died. The cause of death is uh, on the surface, appears, appears to be one thing, but to be certain of that, an autopsy is required. It delays the process of the service where the person is to be buried. It also may open up new questions about where, when, and how it happened. All of those things are important. So it it behooves the government and a a, a state agency to be as sensitive and as uh, um, sensitive to the point where nothing gets done that's going to delay it. Well, the reason I bring all that up, um, this position, a person is selected, chief of staff, and then... In some manner, they find out that it was a um, puffed-up resume. She claimed she had a master's degree from a particular college, and when they, whether someone dropped a dime or the, there was some other uh, reasons why they found out. Uh, now, if you were in the private sector, in a lot of instances, if you got the job based on your resume, which is part of the process, and and your resume wasn't what it was sent to them on, you'd be fired, terminated. You don't need uh a delay in that. In this instance here, she had a short-term um, suspension, two weeks without pay. Um, when she came back, now th- and that was one of the other issues. In theory, by not being the chief of staff, entitled that would have meant that people that answered to her previously would have been now uh, her boss. Well, what happened was they took away the title. They took away the money, and she's doing the same job that she was doing before. And there's a point to my story on this. And so what's going to happen, I think, if you check back a year later, a title in one form or another will be restored, and the money is going to be brought back in some form. And so so my guess is there's a connection between the department that made the decision and the person that made the decision – for this person to get that job, or it was someone in a position of influence in the state level that recommended the person for the. And then now to get back to this, the uh, the the uh, the state troopers, there have been one has already pleaded guilty. He's cooperating. Some have retired. Some of others have been suspended without pay. There's been further investigations. They have they have boku problems because they have tax issues they have and it could very well be that some of the money that they were earning wasn't because they were they were splitting their time between the state police budget and the, and the, and the mass port and it could be that maybe the w2s or the 1099s never caught up with each other i'm inclined to think there was some of that money never got taxed properly when they filed their tax return but more important than that is that under the current pension law if you're, uh, as an example, a state trooper or uh, uh, or an employee of the state or the local government, and you are fired or uh, terminated because of uh, malfeasance, non-feasance, or something criminal that's related to your job, and it winds up that you're convicted of a felony if there is a criminal process, then you not only lose your pension, but under the law... They're trying to change that now, but under the current law, then you also lose your contribution, which I didn't think was fair. I mean, if you if you were if you owed money, I could understand how they would say you'd have to pay it back. If you don't have the money, we'll deduct it from your retirement fund that you contributed to your to the the pension and uh, send you back the difference. But in this instance here, there's going to be a lot of that. Where the connection is between these two situations is we have a governor who appears to be doing a good job, who also uh, is very, very popular. Supposedly, he's the most popular governor in the, of the entire 50 states. He gets along extremely well with the Senate presidents, currently and pre- previous, and also the Speaker of the House. And yet... Where has he been for three years on the state, state police? When you came in, I mean, he never came in to say he's going to drain the swamp like President Trump has. But you come in, when you come in fresh, you have a chance to go through all those things that are taken for granted. You bring in people that are qualified for the jobs. And it ends up that all of a sudden that you have this massive, massive uh, disgrace and embarrassment And and, and dishonesty among a a, a, a substantial number of state troopers and you have a a person gets a job that uh, would appear on the surface they don't meet the qualifications for. And after a slap in the wrist or less, they're put back in the same position. And this is the governor who says he's going to change the system. And I'm not even bringing up the fact his son's got a problem on an airline flight recently that hardly even made a bleep in the newspaper. So – the po- years ago, uh, just as a quick reminder, we had a governor, Governor Welt, who, who was, again, very popular. Uh, he had a similar background in one way. He ran for a statewide office and lost, got elected governor, got reelected. And uh, within two years of the second term, he opted out, hoping to get a position as ambassador to uh, Mexico. But he, he was stymied by the senator from North Carolina and didn't get to be the ambassador. But, I mean, he's still thriving in the private practice of of, the, of law. But, again, uh, he ran against uh, a second tier with all due respect to the candidate's ability, Democrat, because at the time the, his popularity was at a, such a high level, the – the top tier people that normally would consider running for governor didn't want to give up, the, uh, jeopardize their political positions they currently own to run, with, which would be, appear to be like a, a, a Coyote effort to uh, unseat a sitting governor who was uh, going to get reelected, which he did. But he left soon after that. Now this governor is—he's not going to leave in two years, I don't think—but. What happens is a lot has been done that gets thrown under the rug, gets swept away, and that's not right. We, we As an example, we have two candidates running for governor, one of whom has almost no money left, and, and he's a qualified person in his own right. The second one has seemed to have more support and uh, will, will eventually get nominated in September. But it's almost like he's a stalking horse, not for this time, but for next time, because uh, his chances at this point, unless something dramatically changed, and Charlie Baker is not uh not going to have any scandal directed at him. I—I uh, I would think he's—he's he's in his own way. He's done a good job. He's trying to uh, accomplish some things, but at the same time, um, you know, don't—he he doesn't deserve a free ride, and he hasn't done as much as he claims he has, and he's kind of run away and ducked issues that he should be accountable for. So, when you. When you're thinking about voting, if nothing else, the people that are supporting you ask about some of these issues. Appreciate your listening, and uh, again, um, I hope some of this information has been helpful to you and informative. And the show will be rerun Saturday and Sunday of this week. Check your schedule at, at on um, MATV, and I want to be happy to report that I finished the hour. And uh, I'm still talking, and I'm not doing a filibuster, but I'm trying to uh, move ahead. As a matter of fact, I didn't even get to talk about the Red Sox. And they're doing great. And is it all the manager? James? Is it all the manager? (laughs) I said the Red Sox are doing great. Is it all the management? They got the same team. They have the same team, basically, other than Martinez. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I caught you off guard. So we get through the hour.